0: We're going.
1: We're live. We're
0: live. I said, fuck it. We'll do it live. Um, no matter what the technical difficulties this week, we're going to push. We're going to go. going to push hard. We're going to push hard. We're going to get the cops called on us because they're going to think it's assault. We're going. <laughs> What's violent,
1: up, Adam? Violent language. Um, back at the factory, we're working. We're working the long hours. 12-hour days.
0: 12 hours, seven days a week? Yep. Why don't you guys go on strike? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no comment.
1: Yeah, that... My job's probably like yours. It's not going to happen. That's even, too much. Even even if people are dissatisfied,
0: it's not yeah. going to happen. You got too many people who are uh, on the anti-union train. Yeah. Refuse to get off. Yep. I forgot. I forgot, the, I forgot the intro. Um, welcome to Let's Explore This, your weekly technical difficulties podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm joined with Adam. Hello. And I am Sam, of course. So yeah, what at the factory you just got too many like old people indoctrinated into the anti-union way of life.
1: I think so. I mean, I, I could think of maybe... I mean, the, obviously there's a lot of apathy too. Like that's, sure probably more prominent than the anti-union.
0: Yeah, like, um, ca- don't go, care. Go ahead. Yeah, don't care. I think with uh, we were kind of talking with Kyler. Um, I don't think that episode released yet. Um, when we were talking to Kyler about labor, um, the push with like younger people, um, I think corporate America is going to realize that. They're not gonna. They're not gonna get ga- get away with the last generation's bullshit kind of thing, because mm-hmm. like these the young people just like nah bro, I ain't doing
1: that. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, when he was talking about France, that it started just making me think and stuff. Like, you know, he was talking how if they don't want a McDonald's there, they'll just burn it down. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, yeah, there's. There's a store in every almost every town in America that needs to be burned down. But
0: I think there's a store in every town in America that just doesn't need to exist because there's no point to it. Well, like, I, and what I what what I mean by that, well, go ahead with your point. I was going to
1: say I mean like malls gutted out, like the mom and pop stores and then obviously Amazon's pretty prominent.
0: Yeah. Well, I was talking about like I mean we've talked on this podcast so before about like how there's like eight different burger chains, and they basically all feed you the same garbage. Like you really don't need all eight chains in your in your town, do you? No, I suppose this, that's a competition, and competition is good in capitalism. Air quotes.
1: I mean the bur- the burger at the pool hall is better than McDonald's.
0: That is true, yeah. Your mom and pop shops uh, are superior dining facilities than uh, really any cheap. chain, really chain cheap, restaurant. Really cheap, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm privileged and fortunate enough to live in a small town where um, we have all that is in town, minus we have a Hardee's at the truck stop and then there's an A&W, a part of a gas station. Those are only two chains. The rest are mom-and-pop shops, and they're delicious and far superior.
1: Oh, did he start that Adam Curtis series?
0: I watched the first episode. Did you? Yeah, yep. Does he talk at all?
1: No, he's not. This is, like I think, the first documentary where he doesn't do any narration.
0: It's literally just clips.
1: yeah. <laughs> The shortest, the shortest clip I saw so far, I'm on episode three, was like a five-second clip of some like goat just doing some stuff.
0: <laughs> well, I think I'm almost done with episode one. I had to stop because I was watching it yesterday morning and then we had to leave. Yeah. Um, but I like it so far. It's just, it's really, um like it makes you anxious.
1: Yeah, I... Like, I think they were probably, maybe they had, like, the language to know kind of what position they were in, whereas, I guess, you know, there's that big carrot in America where it's tantalizing you.
0: I suppose we should say what this is. So, Adam Curtis, uh, Adam and I's favorite documentary maker.
1: Yes, he is. Or at least he's mine. Better, he's better than Ken Burns, by far. He, yeah, um...
0: Came out with a new documentary called Trauma Zone. It's about basically the collapse of the Soviet Union and. Wait, what does he say? The collapse of communism and democracy. democracy. Oh, shit. Got it. But yeah, you can find it on the BBC or it's on YouTube now. Like it always ends up on YouTube. Yeah, like his last ones. But uh, keep going with your
1: thought. Well, just you see how, like, once they let. Um. So I think uh, Gorbachev, like he, like there was like this big car manufacturer, mm-hmm. um, and he sort of gives over. He gives the bosses at this plant the power to just kind of make their own changes and in production and stuff, and then they almost immediately start like selling cars off to gangsters.
0: Yeah. They start looting all their factories and stuff. And then he starts uh so what my understanding is this, and I didn't really understand, is like basically Gorbachev took away uh the boss's um power check or whatever. There was it was no more centralization and it was just like uh you guys can make the best decisions. And then they just started like looting their own factories. They basically turned into private equity companies. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and they were still getting subsidized by the state. Like, they they were turning play money into real money because yeah, that kind they would invest that money on the open market.
0: That kind of blew my mind that they had that that non-cash thing that was yeah. going on. I knew that, um, so, like, my knowledge of, like, Soviet economics is pretty limited, I guess. Like, But from my understanding is, like, their money didn't really hold any value outside the Soviet Union. And it, it was basically like monopoly money in a sense. Um, And one thing I've known too is like, there's like, they had like go, they had like ghost inflation or something because they would fix prices. So like food had to be a certain price and like rental property had like, like, rents or mortgages or soviet mortgages or whatever had to be like capped at a certain price too so like essentials the prices always stayed the same but for some reason like the cost of things would still go up so like you had like hidden like inflation i don't know see like my knowledge of this is really i'm too dumb to
1: understand like how it worked i kind of feel the same way about myself so (laughs) but um
0: I like that scene. So in the first episode, they talk about how they started making like their people could start their own co-ops for the first time and turn a profit on themselves or Mm -hmm. turn a profit for themselves. And this lady's like freaking out because all she's like, working class people can't afford this shit. And like the kids, like young people are only buying this because the next person has this. It's all bullshit or whatever. And just like, Already seeing like kind of capitalism just creeping in the door and already just like freaking out about it, kind of thing. And she's right in a
1: sense because it is kind of bullshit. Yeah. Like the black market, the black market became the real market. Like, yeah, just everyone else was left holding the bag.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think, (laughs) yeah, empty bag. Well, and, and it was. The Gorbachev's reforms it kind of led to like those um massive like um like shelves being empty, like supply shortages and everything because like we were saying earlier, those bosses literally looted their own factories and stuff. So there was nothing really left over for um like regular people to
1: like buy. And Yeah, that was the crazy thing, like seeing like Let's take Walmart, but it was like the line goes like to the back of the store and it's not moving like people and all the shelves are empty, too. That's the hell's going on.
0: It was like uh, COVID here in the States. Yeah. Maybe it was actually worse than that.
1: Yeah. Like the toilet paper. Yeah. 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 What happened with the toilet paper is basically what happened with every product in Russia. Yeah. Like, that, there's that guy that bought all the toilet paper, and he's trying to sell it on eBay. Yeah.
0: And then, like, Russia basically turned into, like, a gangster state as soon as the collapse was finalized, basically. And I think a lot of people don't realize is that the 90s in Russia was, like, their Great Depression. Like, it was just shit. Massive private- privatization, like, made these oligarchs. And it was basically just the government... Uh, selling this shit to like these guys, and they just took it over. They were state-run enterprise, and then they just kind of took it over and started making money off of it.
1: Yeah, the KGB they also made like shit tons of money. Like they haven't really gotten to that point in the documentary, but that's how kind of Putin was funded or launched into power. Yeah, he, he had friends with shit loads of money. Shit loads of money. Yeah, kind In of part. like Goldman Sachs with Obama.
0: You got to give them speeches, bro. Didn't they pay Hillary Clinton like
1: a large amount of money just to like give speeches or something? Yes, yeah. I don't know why they would pay a loser, though.
0: Yeah. Uh, loser. Um, a bad candidate. Uh, a war criminal.
1: A corrupt individual. Look, conspiracy theorist, I, I found out. She was accusing the Republicans of doing
0: 9/11. <laughs> what?
1: When was that? There's a Well, she's like they were negligent. They they let it happen.
0: Oh, probably. I don't know. Are you pilled on the government did it or or not?
1: Uh I think part there are parts that let it happen and then there are parts that made it happen.
0: Yeah, I suppose the big leviathan that is the government, like one side doesn't know what the other side is doing. Yeah.
1: Like, and like they, w- they would go along with it just because they're making so much money. Like. Yeah. Like all the puts against the airline industry, like two two days, or no, what was it? Yeah, like September 6th or whatever.
0: Yeah, and then there was, like, uh, the owners of, like, the trade center buildings or whatever took out, like, insurance policies beforehand, too. Mm-hmm. Like, massive insurance policies. Yes. So, obviously, somebody knew something was going on, and, you know, people were let made aware mm-hmm. that something was going on. and You can just leave it at that. It's kind of like a Pearl Harbor incident, like, because people always say, like, well, FDR just, like, let pearl harbor happened it's just like well they knew it was coming they just didn't know when and where kind of thing
1: he's like let's see what they do when i cut off all their oil let's just see what happens yeah well and what's funny about that is like that general uh yakamoto i think does that sound um yamamoto yamamoto okay yeah he didn't even want to do pearl harbor but he's like well if we're gonna attack them i'm gonna do it right
0: <laughs> orders are orders i gotta well, go actually in. i think
1: if they had launched, if they had come in with like a second wave like after that they could have just done even way worse damage but
0: yeah uh, they missed opportunity because like our aircraft carriers were out on a training exercise for the day mm-hmm. and they missed a big chunk of the fleet, but they still like obviously did some damage. Yeah. And then brought us into the war, which we were trying to get into that war for a long time and we needed a justification. That's why people say like well FDR let it happen. It's just like, well, yeah, he did cuz they were trying to get us involved in the war in Europe cuz that was the most important thing um for Roosevelt too was like we got to get we got to get Hitler out of there. God, that's crazy. Yeah. And then we can talk about the Spanish American war.
1: Yeah, that oh, I feel so bad for the Republicans because one you know they were supported by the Soviet Union, but all their weapons were they had like twenty different calibers that they were dealing with instead of like a standardized um Sam, what's the word I'm looking for? Standardized
0: munitions? I yeah. don't know bullets or whatever yeah bullets um yeah we really didn't start doing that until NATO became a thing the NATO round the, the NATO round five five six um I'm trying to remember what was the saying that came up for the Maine after it ha- after uh, now I'm now I'm jumping around the spanish-american war when they when the the USS maine got or was sank
1: wasn't it remember the Maine.
0: Remember the main? Yeah. Yeah, remember the main? The hell with Spain! Yeah! That's what it was.
1: It's pretty good. That'd get me re- riled up.
0: Yeah, didn't we blow it up?
1: See, to get us into the war? I feel... I thought I read something a while back that like, the supplies were like, not organized well and then it was basically a powder keg just waiting to happen.
0: Yeah. The conditions were there. It just needed a spark.
1: Or, you know, with like dynamite, I don't know how well they do with humidity and stuff. Like the glycerin. That's a... Yeah.
0: That's a question for the chemist. We'll get brew on that one. (laughs) Do some research on that. But surprisingly enough, since like the late 1800s, you know, you have the main... You have uh, the Gulf of Tonkin. You have uh, Pearl Harbor. You know you have all these uh, incidences involving boats that
1: eventually, or Haiti, <laughs> Haiti—that's another one
0: that eventually just drag us into a major conflict to basically expand our influence around the world. Now you can, you can. With, like, World War Two, for example, you can make the argument that there was an actual, like, good versus evil going on there. Yeah. Because, you know, the Nazis were bad. They had to go. They couldn't stick around. They had to be stopped. But then we made the deal with the devil afterwards and yeah. then brought them all over to the states.
1: It's like, yeah, actually, allying with the Nazis is good.
0: Yeah. Just to stop communism. I'm sorry, Adam. I'm rambling today. Oh,
1: I, I like it. Yeah. I mean, we, we've we danced across 140 years in, in just 20 minutes. <laughs> in just 20 minutes. It. Yeah.
0: It's <laughs> good times. So you're on episode three. Let's go back to Trauma Zone. You're on episode three now? Yeah. So overall, what is kind of the gist you're getting out of it? Because what... I've always liked to say and I'll just preempt it with by saying like I've always compared kind of like the period of time that we're in in the United States mm-hmm. kind of to the period of collapse during the Soviet Union or leading yeah. up leading up to that point and and then when you have like in the first episode you have like those clips of people talking and they're all well aware of like the like the shit sandwich they're eating every day kind of thing mm-hmm. and realizing everything is bad they just don't know what to do like It's kind of like, well, we can kind of go along with it, I guess. Yeah. Um, Even
1: before things were loosened up, like people were still, like the middle managers were looking out for number one. And I mean, but that, I still think it went all the way to the top. I mean, oh, definitely. (laughs) Like, not to let them entirely off the hook, but. Like Gorbachev, probably one of the few people like that wasn't like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that was a deep rot in the Soviet system. It was corruption, and that's ultimately what brings down any. I think any system of governance, and despite like the economic, you know, system you have, if corruption is rampant, your your system is already in decay. It's going to collapse eventually. Because unless everyone is taken care of properly, and like citizens and ad- average citizens are actually trusting the government or trusting officials, or there's you know a good social contract that works, like you're you're going to have collapse. It just depends on how long it happens or how long that festers before it happens.
1: Yeah, and like it just made me think of America. That's. Like, we're in a different time, but this the problems that they're dealing with in the Soviet Union, we deal with as well, right now. Yeah. And have been for many years.
0: Like, a, a feeling of hopelessness. And I don't like using the word stagnation, but I feel like that kind of kind of, like, says it too. Like, yeah, there's no progress. Like, you look at, like, Congress, it doesn't really do anything. They they bicker with these culture wars, and then, in the end, they really don't yeah, do anything. And if money
1: they money if they win or if they lose. It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. And if they do do something, it only, one, makes them money, or two, just helps wealthy uh, corporations or individuals. Yeah. It does not help just, average people.
1: Because, you know, the, they've built these relationships as a part of their job, like, in Congress and stuff. And even if they lose, they'll get hired with a a company and they'll know how to better make sausage, I guess with Washington or like hot dogs. Yeah. Hot. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's call it what it is. The Soviet Union, they make sausage in America. We make hot dogs.
0: (laughs) I like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, footlong hot dogs for, uh, $4.99, Four ninety nine, right on the strip in the casino. That's America, baby. Uh there's a clip that was in the first episode that was also in uh one of his other documentaries, like hyper hyper normalization. Yeah. That was a really good one too. That one like I remember when I first watched that documentary, I was just not well. I was just like, Everything's a lie, everything's shit. Everything's a lie, everything's shit.
1: That was made before Trump won, which is crazy.
0: Yeah, and they talk a lot about Russia in that one too. Mm-hmm. Um, but that clip of,
1: are you talking she, about where she's like being interviewed about her dreams? Yes, for the future. Okay, yeah, and she's that—that that was gutting. I mean, somebody probably like twenty-five and just no no real life for them
0: yeah and that that strikes a chord too especially with um young young leftist whippersnappers who are doom scrolling all the time it's like she's literally like it's like what are your dreams and she's like what who dream of what and like basically it's like i don't have any dreams i won't even know what to dream about and it's like well and and then the interviewer asks, like do you believe and she's like who and like do, do you believe in what? In what? God? No, I don't believe in any of that. And just like goes on, just like, just saying, like, I don't believe in anything. Completely nihilistic. Like, that clip kind of, it's just like a small taste of like uh, an entire population that's kind of like fallen into nihilism.
1: Yeah, like Tony Soprano's mom, but without the narcissism.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And that kind of like
0: reminisces, like, it just makes me think of, America too.
1: Yeah, with we're all saddled up with debt and mortgages and
0: Yeah, and it's kind of just like a trap. I'm trying to remember uh there's another there's another I don't know what he is. Film Chris Hedges. You ever heard of him?
1: No. I'll look him up.
0: Um Well there's like a a clip on YouTube you can find called American Psychosis. Chris Hedges is like uh I don't know what the hell he is. He's Like a journalist or he's like
1: a American journalist, Presbyterian minister, author and commentator.
0: Yeah, but he talks about like how we're living in a dream world in the United States, like nothing kind of like what we talk about all the time. Each episode is like nothing is as it seems and we like tell ourselves that this is normal and, you know, we're just going to have to deal with it kind of thing. The same thing. The same thing Adam Curtis is always telling us.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I hope he just continues to make documentaries until the day he dies. Yeah. Because, yeah, I've probably watched all of his documentaries with maybe, I probably watched 80% of his stuff twice at least.
0: What was the one before hyper-normalization? It
1: was like Silver Lake or something like that? Bitter uh, Bitter Lake. Better like that was about the U.S. involvement in.
0: Yeah, because he like goes way back and talks about.
1: Yeah, I never knew about all kinds like all the the dam building, and infrastructure stuff that. I guess, the U.S. like just slapped down like it wasn't good quality, but, you know. When you see all the mountains around it, it looks really dang impressive. <laughs>
0: yeah, there is a city in Afghanistan. Um, I'll look it up right now called Lashkarga And it's in Helmand province. And there was a bunch of houses built there by American companies or American. Uh, what do you want to call them? Like NGOs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they actually like called it like little America or something. Because it looked like suburban homes or something were built there, um, but at the same time that was happening, the Soviet Union was also building a bunch of infrastructure in Afghanistan as well, um, trying to like bring up good relations with the Afghan government at the time. I actually learned this from uh Bald and Bankrupt on YouTube because he just went to Afghanistan in his like latest video, but in Kabul, like there's a pool there that was built by the Soviets. Oh yeah. So there was like, there was a race for influence there uh, between the U S and the Soviet union, just like everywhere else in the world. But they did a lot of kind of like what China does now. I mean, I think we stopped doing it and reverted the bombs now instead of just trying to build infrastructure. But like we were trying to, you know, I'll do this for you. If you, and if you ally with us, kind of
1: thing. I think even before that, they were talking about the British involvement there, like as a part of their empire. Hmm. Um. Yeah, because he splices in a lot of, um, some of these British films talk like showing the imperialists like walking around Afghanistan and just. <laughs> It's be- it's very campy almost. You're just like, "Wow, I c- I can't believe this movie was ever made."
0: Yeah, before the before the Soviets and Americans were trying to build infrastructure in Afghanistan, the British and the Russians were trying to they're playing geopolitical chess in Afghanistan. And the Afghans always win. Uh yeah, they <laughs> they always win. So I don't know Why we thought we were going to be any different this time around? Well, I I don't think we ever. I don't think we ever thought we were going to win there. Honestly, I don't think any of. Well, what's been proven with like those, like the modern day Pentagon papers or whatever, has been proven that we never. Early on, even we realized that we were never going to win that war, but somebody was making a few dollars. Yeah. So we had to keep it going as long
1: as we stayed. Somebody could make money. Exactly. And it, Yeah, again, it was subsidized by the U.S. taxpayer.
0: Yep. Uh, the amount of money we spent in Afghanistan could have paid for all our student loans.
1: Yeah, and everything else, too. <laughs> or uh, Solved homelessness.
0: Yeah. I suppose if you throw in Iraq in there, too, then, yeah, you could probably
1: solve a lot of issues with that m- much money. Yeah, and, like, probably, well, I don't know, like we need a lot of infrastructure here too like in our previous episodes we <laughs> basically getting 10% of what we need to have like a good economy
0: what are you talking about you can't be like Jackson Mississippi and like get your water wrecked by a storm
1: <laughs> you don't want to drink the brown water yeah there's like
0: places in the like wasn't there a UN report? Like UN investigators came to the United States and like went to places in the South and be like, this is like worse than like third third world conditions or something. Yeah. Basically gave us a big fat F and like providing like basic sanitary like conditions for average people. But I think one of like going back to like why they were in Afghanistan, like um continue on for so long because somebody was making money i think one of the big reasons why we don't want to have a diplomatic solution to like the war in ukraine is because we're going to keep giving them weapons yeah like ukraine doesn't even have to buy them like the government's going to just pay these defense contractors to build more weapons and then we're going to send it to them
1: yeah and again i guess that illustrates it doesn't matter who's in power because the same thing had been going on Presumably with Obama, and then Trump, and then now Biden.
0: Um, It's actually Big Daddy Trump. Um, (laughs) Make sure that you have the proper title.
1: Yeah, give him proper respect, folks. (laughs) Big Daddy Trump.
0: Here's a question for you. The current protest in Iran... Iran, 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 however you want to say it. Um, Though, I think... I don't know a terrible lot like it sounds like they're good like they're good because they're 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 advocating for more freedom mm-hmm. which is always a good thing to advocate for more yeah. freedom um but do you think the US is in there uh trying to st- like keep it going and continue to stir stuff up because we need a new Mideast ally since Saudi Arabia is basically telling us to fuck off so do you think we want We've wanted regime change in Iran for a long, long, long time. Yeah. But do you think we're pushing hard now and taking advantage of the current situations because we need a new friend to stabilize energy markets? Like you're
1: saying the U.S. wants to befriend Iran?
0: Yeah, they want. Well, I mean, we've wanted. Well, because like regime change for a Iran long is time is like
1: secretly allied with Israel.
0: <laughs> Tell me more.
1: Well. I hate to say it, but I'm not like super, I don't know a lot about it, but I know like Israel understands that the leaders in Iran have to say this stuff like against Israel to maintain their power over people, like as like uh, a dog whistle, I guess. But like, I, I think they were allied against Iraq, who was bombing. Didn't Mossad like kill a bunch of
0: Iranian uh scientists though? What hasn't it been basically just proven that Israel has been like taking out all these like nuclear physicists in Iran?
1: Yeah, I it's a sh- that, it's, yeah. it, it's a <laughs> shaky friendship. Maybe okay. I'm pretty sure they were they were allies at least in the eighties. I could believe that, yeah. I think everyone was afraid. Like, I, because there that was the Iran Contra, and Israel is involved in there too.
0: Yeah, Ollie North got in trouble, or he was basically the fall guy, yeah. Oliver North. Yep, for that whole thing, even though Reagan okayed it, mm-hmm. even um, though Bush okayed that, yeah. CIA Bush.
1: Yeah, CIA Bush, um,
0: son of Prescott, uh, tried to actually, overthrow the government. That was, yeah, before January
1: 6th was the thing. You had the Bushes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that bonus army trying to overthrow.
0: Yeah, that was lucrative for uh, U.S. defense contractors because we sold weapons to both sides. Yes. Fucking genius capitalists. Fucking genius. Like, we don't really care who wins. We can sell weapons to both sides.
1: Yeah, because I think yeah, the US definitely screwed up by knocking out Iraq because that was, that kept Iran, that basically kept the Middle East together. Like, by having tension, there was peace.
0: Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, the whole thing in the Middle East is definitely the fault of, like, Western imperialism, anyways. Yeah. Since they drew the most poorly, thi- fucking, poorly drawn borders ever.
1: You know what I After feel like? The we're, First World War. What I feel like we're actually doing is we're just following these little strands on a uh, a corkboard, and we're just yeah. we're just dancing.
0: <laughs> Honestly, if you just you just follow that line, and then you'll automatically go back to the Romans, and you can just blame everything on them. <laughs> Fuck Rome! It's their fault. That's why we're in this situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, more or less. <laughs>
0: I mean, we have we not been trying to rebuild the glory of Rome ever since its fall? Has that not been the quest of Western civilization since the fall of Rome was to rebuild that glory? Is that not what they are trying to do? That imperial glory is what they've been trying to build. Yeah, the US ever is Rome the, class of
1: Rome. the British are the, the Greeks.
0: I mean, you can see it in like our architecture. Like we love Rome. We still use Latin as our motto. What, what the fuck is it again? E pluribus unum. Yeah, and not... I mean, not just like the West. You have Russia as a great example of that, minus the Soviet part, but like Russia wanted to be the third Rome too.
1: Like... Yeah, they were. After the Holy Roman Empire.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone's yeah. been striving to be the third Rome or whatever, or just be Rome. And what that just leads me to believe is that we, that's why we have such a fixation on like greatness and (sighs) not greatness in the sense of like our people, but greatness in this in, in in what the state is. And that's what communism counters is because we believe in like collectivism and like, you know, eventually a stateless society and we're all working class brothers and sisters and, you know, sing Kumbaya while we fuck each other on the fire kind of thing. We're all striving for, but what you see around the world is the constant love of, we need a great state so we can be as glorious as Rome was. I figured it out. I finally understand our psyche. We just want to be Rome. Yeah. Instead of
1: more glory, we want more
0: money. Yeah. Well, I think the problem is, is that we equate the great, like greatness with, with money and like how much wealth you have. Like, the greater your state is, the more wealth it produces, right? Yeah. That's why we have such a fixation in the United States of why we have to prop up the stock market. Because look at all that wealth. I mean, it's it's not real money. It's not It's not real. But we're like, look. Look at how much wealth we have. And we equate wealth with, like, greatness. And that's the problem with Western civilization today is, like, look at all the billionaires out there. And you're like, they're successful. Why are they successful? Because they have a billion dollars. That's it. They could be the dumbest motherfucker, i.e. Donald Trump. But everyone's like, he's a success
1: because he's rich. That's the only reason. He's he's probably one of the most unhappy people alive on the planet. (laughs) Yeah. He's the sad man. Yeah, because I...
0: Behind blue eyes.
1: Chasing money is not living life. That's, That's sacrificing life, I guess
0: yeah somewhere down the road
1: like I, I I
0: still say my my uh my statement is true is like we' were trying to just become the new Rome but somewhere down the line it, it went from the glory of the state as like the glory of the Empire I should say as being like what am I trying to say like the amount of land you have or the amount of power you influence to just strictly the amount of wealth you can accumulate and how much you can suck it out of every facet of like society, mm-hmm. how you can squeeze
1: all of the underlings
0: until you have all their cash.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think even with like the Roman Empire and stuff, like there were people that realized something was wrong with their society, and like stoicism was like the antidote yeah for a lot of people or should have been
0: Marcus Aurelius he had some yeah. good thoughts
1: Thomas Jefferson he was accused of being epicurean. That's the word I'm looking for.
0: Please explain for me and the audience what that means so
1: back then it meant just that was like a way of like simple living, like enjoying simple pleasures um and realizing you not needed much, but you know over time that became um. It sort of evolved into a term for, like, overindulgence and stuff.
0: Hmm. You know, coincidentally, I, I like the way you uh, you phrased it. Like, Stoicism was, like, the antidote to, like, what was, going, what was wrong with Rome. Because there was exactly what was going on in, like, modern-day America. Like, wealth accumulation. There was no, you know, there, I'm guessing there was a feeling of hopelessness. Like, there's nothing. The average people were probably just like, what the fuck am I going to do? You know what I mean? Yeah. And stoicism was part of that. Coincidentally, like when you go to like the warring periods in China, you had the, like the rise in like Taoism, which is basically just the Eastern version of stoicism. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, you know, like, I mean, not exactly, but you know, the same thing. It's just like the Lords, like there you had warring States. The average person didn't know what the fuck to do kind of thing. Um, you know th- things probably seem pretty hopeless,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then you have Stoics and daoists who are just like, bro, just why wi- uh, just ride a water buffalo and smoke a jay, bro. <laughs> just go with the flow. Nothing you can do about it, man. But I mean, the the same kind of like, I guess you could say the same kind of feeling is kind of reinventing itself in in like modern day America in the sense of like you have tiny house living or, uh, you know, what's that. Woman that that comes in like throws away all your excess stuff for you. You know what I'm talking about?
1: (laughs) Like to get, uh, I know it's not hoarders. Um, She she was really
0: popular on Netflix.
1: Honestly, I'm looking around this room and there's so much shit that could just be thrown out.
0: Yeah, same. Same. But like you have that. Um, you have people who like to live in an RV, or live in the like in a van yeah. down by the river. Yeah. You know, I'm we subscribed. joke about.
1: I'm subscribed. Yeah. Van like
0: you have kind of the same concept, but in like a modern interpretation of it. I think yeah. there's still like a materialistic thing that's involved in it. I don't I'm I'm talking like. Instagram and like selling product and being able to fund that lifestyle kind of thing. So it's not exactly like stoicism and and Dalism by any means, but you have kind of a similar modern take on it. And I think that can be said too about like uh, you know, like um Gen Z and the uh, I ain't gonna do that, bro, when it comes to work kind of thing. You know. Yeah. So I think you're kind of seeing. The modern, the modern wave of it.
1: Yeah, I think if people... Well, it'd be probably healthier for society if people sought out um, experiences rather than accumulating possessions.
0: Put down uh, their phone once in a while.
1: Yeah, gosh. Get that blue light away from my eyes.
0: You're not going to be able to sleep if you keep looking at that blue light. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is so true, though. Like It is. Messes you up.
0: That's why like after uh after six o'clock every night I turn off or I turn on the blue light filter on my phone.
1: I need to find okay.
0: You after can do that on a modern yeah. phone. You can turn the blue light off. It actually helps.
1: My phone's usually pretty dim. I never met it's never it rarely gets above like the thirty percent. It's probably at like the 10% brightness right now.
0: Hmm. Well, you save good battery life.
1: I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it. But yeah, honestly, like... Doom scrolling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> scrolling on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I like... I turned my blue light filter off, but like honestly, I should just read. I should put the phone away and just like read yeah, or something. Read
1: Gone with the Wind. Can I read something else? Honestly, I, I, I just started it, and I was... It is, it is kind of a funny story. like, But I don't want to get into it.
0: The last book I read was Dune. It was good.
1: Yeah. That, I got the audiobook for that. and That was a good time. But. You know what? Oh, I'll give you a book recommendation and for everybody in the audience as well. American Tabloid. You know, we always got to bring it back. If I don't mention JFK every episode, I'm not doing my job. <laughs> yeah, American Tabloid check it out it's this it's it's so much fun oh my gosh
0: is this gonna jfk pill you hardcore or what
1: wait american tabloid yeah it i think you'll start to see kind of how plots can evolve like people even people that like jfk get involved in the plot to kill him
0: interesting were they careerist were they like career oh, men yes.
1: yep that's why then yeah like an alcoholic fbi agent who's just wicked smart but he gets like thrown whoever throws him into like the shittiest job in chicago like keeping tabs on the mob and he makes some allies there
0: all right now i'm interested now i have to read it the plot thickens
1: yeah, and it's a series or a trilogy. Okay. And it actually leads into some of his other stuff. You know, it's the same author that did uh, LA Confidential and Black Dahlia. Okay. Sort of that out. It's called like The LA Quartet.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, cuz I think probably most of our listeners have probably seen LA Confidential. That's with Russell Crowe. Who like beats up wife beaters. Hell yeah, dude. That's a fun movie. One of the best.
0: Um I just have to say, because you mentioned his name, let's talk about America's real enemy number one, and that was J. Edgar Hoover.
1: <laughs>
0: oh shit. That that dude was a Nazi.
1: <laughs> I just saw a tweet about how he was kept in check.
0: Have you ever seen the show uh, Man in the High Castle? It was a book too, but the show.
1: Yeah, I've seen I think I would be on the third season. I, I never I never finished like, it.
0: Like J. Edgar Hoover is like has a role in the American Nazi government or whatever. And I was just like, Yeah, I could see it. <laughs> <laughs> I could see it hardcore.
1: <laughs> oh, here's here's uh this is from Lisa Peace who she wrote the book on the RFK assassination. Okay. Um, But yeah, she just followed, followed us today. Oh, nice. You know, after over a year and a half of hoping that would happen. It finally did. Yeah, it finally did today. Okay, she says, Before the CIA was formed, Hoover protested, saying his FBI was the only intel service needed. So Angleton, that's James Jesus Angleton, and his friends got a photo of Hoover having sex with Tolson and they shared it with the mob. And that's why Hoover turned a blind eye to organized crime. Government by blackmail. So the mob had a check on J. Edgar Hoover. Yep. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. And I'm just going to read this other thing. In launching a war on the mafia, Kennedy and Morgenthau knew the challenge. Above, Above all, they would Have to find investigators and enforcers willing to commit to the fight against organized crime. The FBI, both men knew, would offer more resistance than help. Since the onset of the Cold War, J. Edgar Hoover had ceaselessly warned that, gosh, I'm butchering this, had ceaselessly warned of the red threat but scarcely mentioned organized crime. FBI agents were all but banned from uttering the word mafia. No such organization, Hoover insisted, existed in the U.S. Dude, so
0: basically, the mob's hold on J. Edgar Hoover, because he lived his secret life, was probably a big reason why we had such a big emphasis on the Red Scare. One man's cling to power helped basically over-dramatize the threat of
1: communism. Mm Mm-hmm. In the United States. Yeah, from like... My mind is blown. During World War I. So I think like the FBI technically started in like 1908. Mm -hmm. And I think it was kind of organized against basically workers trying to assert more power in the workplace. And so, yeah, they would bust up unions and stuff. Um, And
0: then I think... Well then they grew because of prohibition and stuff. Yes.
1: But I think I wanna
0: some... quickly fact check
1: you, Adam.
0: Yeah, you're right. Nineteen oh eight. I had no doubt that you were right, Adam. I knew you were right the whole time.
1: Yeah. Well, it does get convoluted, you know, like it like I'm not very organized in my thought. Which I I, I do apologize to the listener. (laughs) Yeah,
0: this whole episode is going to be one big.
1: I I really wish I was Napoleon where I have like a photographic memory and I can just have like drawers of my mind open, read verbatim something I read. Yeah, same.
0: It always just comes out as like uh, a mush word. Yeah.
1: Verbal vomit. Yeah, basically. (laughs) I just have mush mouth all the time. Um, that's, I can't remember there was that first, Oh, it was, yeah. The Soviet union or the revolution in Russia that got everybody in the U S scared.
0: Yeah. got everybody scared, but it was like manufactured fear.
1: Yeah. And then I think I'm pretty sure Hoover's boss had to like fall on his sword, but then, yeah, like you, like you said, like prohibition and stuff that sort of armed the FBI, where they all started carrying guns and stuff, and it became like an early intelligence organization,
0: basically. Yeah, and then um, the creation of the CIA also started that feud between the two agencies because they were both. So I'm guessing every year they fight for funding, mm-hmm. and they're in competition with one another. So they have to, you know.
1: Yeah, they they need a boogeyman. Yeah, that's that's one thing all of these organizations need. Well, and. It, even yeah, look at the U.S. Like Russia's always the boogeyman, or terrorists. We need we need somebody to blame.
0: Yeah. Well, I I mean I haven't heard about terrorists in like
1: the past mm-hmm. two years, basically. Or oh maybe... Sam, they're a huge threat. I mean we're the reddest red on the warning scale. Oh, if you even knew, you wouldn't be able to sleep at night. <laughs> yeah.
0: I thought it was just Russia and China now. I thought that was the only two boogeymen now. I didn't even know that we even concerned ourselves with the Middle East anymore. Basically. Yeah, no. <laughs> basically. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Uh,
1: everything's all fucked up. Yeah, just remember how scared. Like, you know, because before I knew that the news was bad. Mainstream media news was bad. Um, yeah, they they would just get everybody scared.
0: Yeah, I wish I had like the thought process I did or, or I do now, like back when I was younger and like listening about like terrorism and like everything after 9 11, basically. Cause I was, I was hopped up on that when I was a kid. I was just like, yeah, we need to go fight those bastards. And eventually I did join the armed forces yeah. because of it. So obviously I know that's wrong now. And it took like that, like, being deprogrammed basically but now every time I watch the news I'm just like they're always just like China bad yeah any
1: bad anytime the news is trying to get you scared or of something make you afraid somebody's trying to seize power from
0: yeah and it's weird too because like the war drum has been beating lightly with like China but now it's just like I think did I say this last time Yeah, I did. It was like, it's like full blown going with Russia. Like, there are people on the news now basically saying, we need to fucking just go into Ukraine and like fight the Russians ourselves. Yeah. You know, (laughs) like, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, can we take it easy? Like, because I think, I think maybe it's the thought process now is like, well, look at how like, the Russian military has failed so substantially that like, well, then obviously the rest of their arsenal is like fucking debunked so we can fight and not have to worry about the nuclear weapons. Are you really going to gamble on that? Are we going to gamble and say like, well, if their military is this fucked up, then their nukes probably don't work. Is that is that the thought process?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's another thing. Like, we're probably closer to nuclear war right now than we were 40 years ago.
0: Yeah. These fucking cycles are all about it. They're like, fuck yeah, let's go! All right, that's the end of that thought. Let's <laughs> do pl- let's do plugs. We're at our, we're we're at that time. Let's let's end this.
1: Yeah, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at explore underscore pod. Yeah, um, and then we have a. We yeah, have our Patreon, um, slash let's explore this.
0: Uh, give as much as you uh deem fit. Um, we don't have tiers anymore. We just you know give whatever you'd like. Um, I do plan on going to the casino again soon, so the more you chip in, the better.
1: Yep. Uh, keep drinking red cap whole milk. Um, gotta get and- your vitamin D. Take your vitamins. Everybody should be taking uh, at least ten thousand IU vitamin D a day. I'm not a doctor just looking out for you
0: and i highly recommend uh drinking half a bottle of whiskey and watching uh adam curtis documentary oh yeah definitely watch trauma (laughs) zone yeah actually watch all of adam curtis's stuff it's good stuff (laughs) um we love you kiss kiss thanks for listening